welcome. This is a message from Victory Church. We trust you'll be inspired and encouraged by today's message. What I want to talk about is um, the power of keeping your peace. And it's a bit of an unusual topic, peace. But what I want to share with you is how incredibly powerful it is when we do something so simple like keeping our peace. And um, I'm going to share with you in just a moment that we're kind of going through our own situation with my boy Liam. You know, the, he was the older boy, the longer-haired boy. He's quite sick at the moment, and I'll share a bit about that with you in a minute. But I was saying to my mother-in-law, I go, I need to come and sit down with you guys and listen to me preach tonight because I need it as much as you. But uh, if you've got your Bibles and a notebook, I want you to take notes because I want you to go away with something. But um, if, if you've got your Bibles, I'm sure you have, turn with me to Psalm 34 verse 14. I'm just going to whip through a couple of scriptures. Oh, I can hear bags. Is there a Bible in your bag? Oh, notepads. I like notepads. Uh, excellent. Okay. Russell, 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 grab your pens. Okay, here we go. Psalm 34 verse 14. You can just jot these down. Depart from evil and do good. Seek, inquire for, and crave peace, and pursue and go after it. You might be able to tell I'm reading from the Amplified Bible. Crave peace, pursue, and go after it. 1 Peter 3 verse 11 says, Let him search for peace, harmony, undisturbedness from fears, agitating passions, and moral conflicts, and seek it eagerly. Do not merely desire peaceful relations with God, with your fellow men, and with yourself, but pursue and go after them. So what the Bible is telling us is if we want to have peace in our life, we have to go after it. It's not something that's going to naturally kind of fall in our lap. We have to pursue it. We have to crave it. We have to go after it. We have to chase it and hunt it down. Because God knows that if you and I want to live lives of victory, peace and joy, if we want to enjoy our lives and not just endure it, then we have to fight for peace. God didn't intend for us ladies to just endure our life. I'm utterly convinced of that. He wants us to actually enjoy it. Enjoy every day. Enjoy your kids. Enjoy your husband. Enjoy being single. Enjoy being an empty nester. I don't know if I'm going to enjoy that, but you know what? I'm going to work on it when I get there. Enjoy the season and the phase of your life, but we will never get there without peace. So tonight, I want you to write down the word peace, and I'm going to give you just three quick keys, and I'm going to share a couple of things with you. You know, who knows that atmospheres are powerful things? You know, people talk about, I can cut the atmosphere with a knife. Well, I grew up in a home like that, and you know, my cousin's here, and she probably could attest to this herself, but my parents divorced when I was three years old, and, and my dad went to live in Sydney, so I grew up with my mum and, and my sister, and um, I often spent lots of time at my cousin's house and, and um, with her sister as well. And then my mum got remarried when I was, I think, 12 years old, and my stepdad had another two other children, so there was four of us, and then my stepdad and my mum, and you know, they, my mum and my stepdad just kind of fought nonstop, and there was absolutely no peace whatsoever in our household from the day that my mum married him until the day that I got married when I was 23. I did not have one day of peace in our household, and this is the first thing that I want you to write down. Number one is this: peace is a weapon. 
Okay, peace is a weapon, and I'm going to tell you why. We don't often think of peace as a weapon because you think, well, weapon is kind of aggressive and peace is kind of the opposite. But peace is a weapon because the Bible talks about the armor of God. And when you're wearing armor, it means you're going to go into battle, you're going into fight. And one of those pieces of armor is the shoes of the gospel of peace. So peace is actually a weapon. It's part of our warfare. It's something that we can do in life to battle against life with. It's peace. See, peace for me became a weapon. There's a family history in, in both sides of my family of divorce and relationship breakdown. So for me to have a great marriage and to be married for 15 years and love my husband and have peace in my home is a weapon. Do you see what I'm saying? You're so quiet. You can say, yes. It's a weapon, having peace in my home. See, my home used to be full of fighting and nasty comments and shouting and slamming doors and perhaps silence. The silent treatment was what was worse. So for me now, having come from a family of divorce and, and and a family history of divorce, maintaining an atmosphere of peace in my home is me fighting against the enemy saying, you know what, you will not have my family. You might be having 43% of the families in Australia, but mine is not going to be one of them. And what you know what? Neither is yours. Because peace, no matter what it is, your situation might be different. You might be facing a financial situation. You might be facing a health situation. You might be facing a relational situation, not to do within your family, but maybe an extended family member. Keeping your peace can be an incredible weapon. You know, sometimes we feel like we have to always be doing something when sometimes the best thing that we can do is just to be and just to maintain our peace. And this is my second point is this. Staying in peace is telling God that we trust him. Staying in peace equals I trust you, God. Now, that's easy to say. That's really hard to do. You know, I, I was just telling you a second ago about um, my son, Liam. And um, we're in the middle of a situation with him where, you know, I knew I was going to speak on this tonight and I'm like, hmm, am I really qualified to speak on this, God? Because this is really easy to say and this is really hard to do. And 10 weeks ago, I got a phone call. Cameron was in England. My mother-in-law was overstaying with me and I got a phone call from school saying, Liam's sick can you come and pick him up? So I came and picked him up and he was really pale. And I thought, oh, he's just, you know, the flu that was going around. We had a really bad flu go around in Queensland a couple of months ago. And he was sick for like a week. And he just wasn't getting better. A really sore throat and a really red ear and just no energy whatsoever. Headaches, just really under the weather, really sick. And he's usually such an active little boy, loves football. And he's just, he's a really sweet kid. And, um, the second week came by and, you know, some of the, I'm a teacher as well at his school and some of the teachers were saying, look, there's a flu going around that's about two weeks. It's a real bad one. It's really knocking kids out. So I thought, okay, I'll give him a second week. Second week rolls by. He's not getting any better. We take him to the doctor. He's got a virus, you know, he's got a really red throat, really ready, but nothing's infected. So I can't give you antibiotics. The next day he got really bad. So we called the locum out. The locum said the same thing. It's just a virus. We can't really give you anything for it. Two weeks turned into three, three weeks turned into four. He's missing school, which goes against my grain because I'm a teacher. I'm like, come on, we're going to get you back to school. Took him to the doctor again. And I've got a beautiful Christian doctor up in Queensland. And she's like, oh, you know, let's do a blood test. They did bloods. His white blood cell count was up. And by this stage, she said, look, we want to rule out leukemia and we want to look at glandular fever. And I'm like, leukemia, glandular fever. 
Okay, I'll take glandular fever if I have to choose, but I really don't want to take any. And um, they took the bloods and glandular fever came back negative. His white blood cell count was up. She said, look, we just don't know what it is, but treat it like glandular fever. By this stage, you know, everyone's like, is Liam still sick? And I got sick of explaining it to people and why he was away from school. And, um, you know, we'd go to church again and Liam would be sitting with me instead of going to kids' church because we knew it wasn't something that was catchy and, well, we didn't think it was. So anyway, time rolled on. Four weeks turned into five. Five weeks turned into six. And I'm getting really worried because he's not getting any better. His headaches were getting worse. Um, you know, his red ear went down. His, his lymph nodes were massive. So they scanned those and said, yeah, he's got really reactive lymph nodes. But we just don't know what's wrong with him. Six weeks turned to seven. Seven turned to eight. Eight turned to nine. Nine has just turned to ten. And we finally got him to a, a pediatric specialist. And, um, you know, I've come here today and they still don't know what's wrong with him. And um, they said to last our last appointment, I said to Cameron, why don't you come with me? And he's in so much pain. Like last week she said, look, we'll put him on six Nurofen and three Panadine a day, a day. And I'm thinking, I don't like, I'm a bit of an a la naturelle mama. <laughs> I've got chickens and I grow tomatoes and with the help of my mother-in-law that helped me plant them this year. And, you know, I do things naturally. I'm like, that is a lot of medication. And it just didn't even, just, just took the edge off of his headaches. And, you know, as a mum... You just, your heart breaks because you go, I can't do anything for him. He's having headaches 24-7 around the clock. His only relief is when he goes to sleep. And even if, you know, if I go to maybe check on him and he wakes up, he'll just groan and, and he's still in pain and he's still got his stomach ache. He's gone to school once a week for the last eight weeks. And um, so, you know, I said to Karen, come, come with me this time. You know, we've got to sort something out. And the doctor's been fantastic. And she said, look, the next thing we have to do is do an MRI and just, rule out a brain tumour. And that's where we are. So I stand before you not knowing what is wrong with my son. And we're going to go back Tuesday and have an MRI. And part of me thought, I'm not going to go. I thought, you know what? I'm going to go. He's with his dad. And this is a part of me saying, God, I trust you. And I'm going to stay in peace. I don't feel like staying in peace right now. You know, it's, and literally it's, it's a matter of doing it moment by moment sometimes. And I understand if you're going, if you're in a situation and you think, oh my goodness, I can't do this, I'm with you. And sometimes it's a matter of every minute knocking back the negative thoughts and going, God, I trust you. And the way I trust you is by staying in peace. You know, and when my little boy is sitting there and he's crying and he's grabbing his head and he doesn't know what to do because he's in pain and I don't know what to give him, all we can do is pray and say, God, I don't know, but you know. And that's all we can tell him is say, you know what, sweetheart? God understands. He knows you're in pain. We're working on it. God is with you. Let God be your strength. And, and maintaining that peace sometimes is all you can do. But you know what? It's sometimes the most powerful thing that you can do. You know, God is everything that we need in every situation. And you know, that's so easy to say. But when you're really trying to live that, God, are you everything I need right now in my situation? You know, Cameron and I have had the serious talk, you know, the what if. What if they found something? What if? Am I all right with that? I'm not all right with that. But, you know, I have to be able to say, if I can stand up here, I've got to be able to do it down there and go, God, you are everything that we need right now. God is everything you need right now. God is everything you will ever need. He will not lead you where he cannot keep you. Wherever you find yourself right now, he is keeping you. You are under his, you, his hands are underneath you. But to enjoy peace, we have to become comfortable with not knowing what the future holds. That's hard. 
I don't know what the future holds right now, and I'm a bit of a control freak that likes to know. <laughs> I like to have things ordered, and, and that's what Cameron said to me. He goes, this is messing with you because you can't control this. And it's true. And, you know, as women, we like to control and we like to have a solution and we like to have an answer. But sometimes not knowing, we have to be comfortable with knowing that he does know. We are to behave differently from the people in the world. You know, just being positive and peaceful in negative circumstances is a great example to those around us. You know, the Bible says in Psalm 118, 24, this is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. And often in the morning, I get up and I say that to myself as I get ready. This is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice. I will rejoice no matter how I feel. I will rejoice no matter what I'm facing. I will rejoice no matter what tomorrow brings. I will rejoice though my son's got a headache and I don't know what to do. I will rejoice though I've got to go back and, and take him through an MRI. I will rejoice, God, because it doesn't say only rejoice when things are happening the way you want. It says rejoice just because God made this day and you are alive. Just rejoice because God is with you. You know, Psalm 34, I will bless the Lord at all times. You know, not I will bless the Lord when things are happy and great and when I'm feeling good. I will bless the Lord no matter how I feel. I will bless the Lord no matter what I'm facing. God wants us to live courageously, to live with faith, and to keep a good confession. You know, I was doing my devotions just the other night and, you know, thinking about Liam, and, and I opened up to my Joyce Meyer End Your Day Right devotions. I love Joyce. And, you know, it said in there, the Holy Spirit will give you peace and the power not to worry. I'm like, okay, that's a pretty good ask because I'm a good worrier. <laughs> But the Holy Spirit will give you peace and the power not to worry. The Holy Spirit will give us the peace not to be agitated or disturbed, even when there are plenty of things to worry about. You know, a lot of us have faith to ask God to deliver us from something. But how many of us have the faith to ask God to take us through something? See, I want God to deliver my boy right now. And we've been praying for 10 weeks every day. God, a miracle. God, we're believing. You know, and I really have the faith to believe God could deliver him like that. And I really want God to come through like that. But do I have the faith to say, God, take us through? Because taking us through is a whole different ball game. And you know, sometimes we look at people that get a miracle and think what great faith they must have. But for me, the ones I think have the greater faith are the ones who keep their faith even when they don't get a miracle. They keep their peace even when they don't get a miracle. They keep the smile on their face even when they don't get the miracle, when they're walking in the midst. And whatever it is that you are walking through right now, you are walking in the midst of something. To me, the miracle is if you can keep your peace, you can keep your smile, knowing that God is with you and he has it all in hand. You know, we need to make a decision every day that we will let God take care of us. God, I will let you take care of That is hard. God, I will let you take care of my family. God, I will let you take care of this situation. And this is my third point, is this. Peace must be gained and then it needs to be maintained. So it's one thing to get it. We've got to keep it. And that can be a minute-by-minute minute thing. You know, I can get up in the morning and have great faith and I've got peace. 
And then within five minutes, my peace is like gone. <laughs> you know what I mean? And, and at the moment, especially with what we're going through with Liam right now, I literally just have to moment by moment, one minute I'm feeling okay because I've given it to God. And then I reckon within 30 seconds, I take it back again. And I go, oh, I'll take this one, God. I've got it sorted. <laughs> I don't think so. You know, we need to be women that it doesn't matter how many times in a day that we have to give it back. It's okay. God understands. But every time we take it back, we've got to turn around and go, God, I'm sorry. I give it back to you. And you know, one way we can do that is by holding on to the word of God. You know, the word of God for me is my absolute lifeline. My absolute lifeline. And the only way sometimes I can maintain my peace is to grab a scripture and to hold on to it as if my life depended on it. And right now that scripture for me is, you know, Psalm, when I'm afraid, I will trust in you. Because you know what? I'm a little bit afraid right now. I don't know what's going to happen. And so every time that I begin to worry, the way I say, no, I'm trusting you, God, and I keep my peace is I grab that scripture and I say it and I repeat it and I mull it over and over in my mind. And I say, God, when I'm afraid, I will trust in you. When I am afraid, I will trust in you. See, the Word of God, it is alive. It is powerful. We need to, if you are going through something, get one or two or three scriptures, learn them off by heart and turn them over and over and over in your mind. Say them out loud. You know, when, um, when I was pregnant with Georgia 12 years ago, I'm just going to quickly find this scripture. Um, I was teaching at the time and I was walking, I was probably about I don't know, maybe eight or nine weeks pregnant or something like that. And, um, sorry, I'm distracted. And I remember I was on duty and I started, um, I realised, I thought, uh oh, I'm starting, you know, I could feel, I could, are there any guys in the house? They're really not going to want to hear this. Okay. All right. I started miscarrying basically. Okay. So I was pregnant with her and I thought, okay, something's wrong. So I went to the, I went to the doctor. I would have um, maybe eight weeks pregnant, something like that. And the doctor said to me, you know, Renee, you know how they give you the statistics? They're so good at that. I love that God doesn't go by statistics. And, you know, and, and she said to me, look, one in four miscarry and um, basically your cervix is open and you're, you're ready to miscarry your baby. So all you can do is go home and not get off your bed for the next four days, see how you go. Don't even, like I wasn't allowed to have a hot shower, like only literally I had to get off my bed if I needed to go to the toilet. That was it. She goes, and then, you know, we'll see what happens. And basically I could tell from her face, she thought, you know, it's all over, over, like you're going to lose the baby. And you know what, I know people miscarry babies all the time and I had friends at the time who had. But you know, what I did is all I knew to do was to get my Bible out when I got home and I sat down and I grabbed my Bible and I just kind of did a, you know, Russian roulette when you just open up and go, speak to me, God. And then you get a weird scripture like Jesus wept and you go, nope, that wasn't right. (laughs) Grab another one and then something about, you know, Hezekiah and something totally unrelated. Or, you know, you turn to the scripture where all it is is a list of names. You're like, I'm trying here, God, you could help me out. But, you know, I literally just just opened my Bible and I opened it straight up to Mark chapter 5 about, you know, Jairus and his daughter, how he went to Jesus because his daughter was sick. And while he was going to Jesus, the servant of the house came up and said, um, it's too late, your daughter has died. And then Jairus turned, Jesus turned to Jairus because see, Jesus had been distracted dealing with the woman with the issue of blood, right? 
And then he turned to Jairus and it says he overheard, but ignoring, Jesus was ignoring what they said. He said to Jairus, do not be seized with alarm and struck with fear, just keep on believing. And I opened up right to that. And right there that day, God spoke to me and said, you're having a little girl and I know you've overheard the doctor's report, but I want you to ignore it. Don't be seized with alarm or struck by fear. Keep on believing and she will be fine. Well, I held on to that word for the next four days. Like every two, you know, my body was still, I was still bleeding and I was still, my body was still not doing what it should have. And I just thought, you know what, God, I know what the doctors have said. I know what the statistics are, but I'm holding on to the word of God. I'm holding on to the truth. It's my lifeline. And so, you know, I sat there and I'd, and I'd pray over her and I'd say, God, I thank you. And Cameron's like, it's not a girl, it's a boy. I'm like, you are so wrong. Like, don't mess with me because God has told me. (laughs) And so when we had the first scan, I was like, ha ha. I was right. But you know, it gave me something to hold on to. And I remember sitting on my bed for those four or five days and saying, God, I'm going to ignore what the doctor said. Thank you that you're making her heartbeat strong. You're, you're, You're anointing my body to hold this baby. You're closing things that need to be closed. You're strengthening what needs to be strengthened. And I just held on to that word of God. And I just sat there and I maintained my peace. And every time I started to worry, I'd grab that word and I'd go back to it. Get yourself a word from God. Get yourself a word from God. Don't worry about calling that friend. I mean, you know, it's great to call friends and it's great to get that support, but there's nothing like this because when God says something to you, he will do it. Hold on to the word of God. That's one amazing way you can maintain your peace and just let it become your lifeline. You know, needless to say, a few weeks later, we went back and had a scan and everything was fine and everything closed and did what it was meant to do. See, because God had spoken. God had spoken. And one of my favorite scriptures, and another one that I'm holding on to right now, is in Psalm 45, I think it is. Psalm 46, that says, God is in the midst of her, she shall not be moved. See, what does that mean? That means God is with me, in me, walking the journey. I don't need to be moved by anything. God is with you. And you don't need to be moved no matter what you're facing, no matter where you're at. God is in the midst. And whether you have the happy ending that you want or whether things happen like they do in life that we don't understand, that we can walk that journey with a smile on our face and peace in our heart, knowing that the God who does know all is with us and is carrying us. This is the end of the message. Thank you for taking the time to listen, and God bless.